The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the new wave of change that is emerging in our world today? What does it look like? How will it reshape our collective future? We see more and more women are making a rapid rise to the top, taking over leadership of their countries, influencing social and political decisions on a global scale. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine with host Gina Lazenby. This is a movement that is putting the feminine values of compassion and collaboration back into the economy and our world. Everyone and everything is being affected. Our conversation starts now. Here is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome to The Rise of the Feminine. I'm your host, Gina Lazenby, and I'm delighted and honored to be a champion for this fascinating conversation about how not only are women rising in the world today, but how feminine values are also being increasingly expressed more openly in men and women, in business, politics, and in society. I have some great guests with fantastic stories and insights lined up to join me in this first season of The Rise of the Feminine. Many of them are people I've encountered or worked with over the last 10 years that I've been researching this subject, and the subject is one that I'm really passionate about. I invite you to join me in this adventure, this conversation about how and where the feminine is rising across the planet is one that I want to open up with as many people as possible. I would welcome your insights and submissions. This story is about the rise of the feminine. is not confined to one continent, one culture. It's global. It's a movement that's been building for a long time. I'm going to ask you to email me, gina at ginalazenby.com, or go to the show's Facebook page, Rise of the Feminine Radio. And let me know if you have any stories to share or people that you'd like me to follow up. Um, each week I'll be talking to men and women with expertise on a variety of subjects, including soft power, feminine intelligence, parenting, politics, new masculinity, biochemistry, role models, the new emerging role for older women, as diverse a range as I can present. And today the theme is why countries need feminine leaders. What I want to draw your attention to and highlight is the wave of change happening right now. In the UK this summer, it's almost been a tsunami of change. There's certainly a power shift happening from traditional masculine, authoritarian, hierarchical power to a different expression of power, one that we are much less familiar with. In fact, one that really has not been seen very much at all. It's the style of power way more suited and adaptable to these complex times. It's feminine power. The new female leaders who have emerged recently are bringing in a modern feminine style. I don't think that means they're soft or weak pushovers. No, these women are making courageous decisions and bold changes that their countries need at this time. We keep talking about diversity. What that actually means at the higher levels of leadership in business and politics is a very different approach. The world is facing a complex 
interconnected web of crises that requires a completely new way of handling things, one so radically different to the usual male style of power that we've had for centuries. As Einstein has so famously been quoted, and I'm sure you've heard many times, you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness, the same thinking that created it. So different thinking is needed. And this is where women come in. They've been waiting in the wings for years. And now a space seems to be opening up at last. And it's a big space. And at least that's what it looked like in the UK this summer when a power vacuum opened up after the referendum. That's when the people in the UK voted in favour of leaving the European Economic Union. That was a big shock to the political establishment here. The male protagonists who had led the rallying call to leave the EU, they all seemed to step away right at the pinnacle of the crisis, including the Prime Minister. In the words of many newspaper headlines, leaving the women to come in to clear up the mess. And for a few days at least, the nation seemed to breathe a national sigh of relief as more women stepped forward. So why is it that women seem to be thought the ideal leaders now in a, in a messy crisis? What are they bringing that's different? What does the feminine leadership look like? Interestingly, I, I came across some research that I had blogged about, uh, about female nation leaders stepping in after countries have been through trauma and crisis. Professor Catherine Phillips of Columbia Business School had co-authored a report which examined five decades of 5,700 national leader observations in 139 nations. And the report showed that in the most ethnically diverse countries, women outperform their male counterparts in terms of GDP, that's gross domestic product, which is a significant indicator of progress. In tough economies, with great ethnic diversity, countries with a female at the helm correlate with a 6.6% rate of growth in GDP after their arrival. Now, this compares in similar situations with less than 1% return from male leaders. Now, all of these stories and references will be on the Facebook page. You can follow up and read more detail there. As Professor Phillips says, this dispels the myth that women are too maternal, lack strength, or are otherwise ill-equipped to provide senior-level leadership in trying times and amid complex circumstances. Our findings reveal that not only can women grow global economies, but that a little motherly sensitivity can go a long way in guiding a nation in, needing, in need of healing to not only mend, but thrive. And that's Professor Phillips. And that was what the UK looked like this summer, a nation in need of healing. I think that's fascinating data. So in the show this week, I wanted to explore that a little further. So I'll be speaking to Sydney-based Dr. David Paul. He's been a, a trusted advisor to heads of state and CEOs, both men and women, in the northern and southern hemispheres, and has developed an expertise in feminine leadership. I've known David for 10 years and I've interviewed him many times on the subject. His specialism is in complexity, so who better to call on now and he will speak about the feminine qualities needed to handle the complex problems that we have. My second guest is Runas, Runa Magnus Dottir. She's a branding specialist and a women's champion in Iceland 
And each show, I wanted to give you a report on the status of women in different countries around the globe. And I felt it was perfect to ask Runa about the country's crisis of bankruptcy in 2008, when many women came in in the messy aftermath, including having a female prime minister. And my last guest is Vivian Morris, as well as looking at big global issues I want to explore what one woman can do, and there's nothing more inspiring than thinking I could do that. So Vivian is, is, Vivian is uh, newly retired and has become a local organiser for the brand new Women's Equality Party in the UK. I joined one of her branch meetings organised in her home in Harrogate in Yorkshire. Now, after this commercial break, we're going to come back and we're going to meet my first guest, Dr. David Paul. So see you in a moment. <music> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Rise of the Feminine. If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. So now my first interview is with Dr. David Paul as we go over to Australia. Well, welcome to The Rise of the Feminine. Thank you for joining me. And uh, as, as I just said, an expert in feminine leadership, I thought you would be a great person to speak to about the current situation that we have in the UK. We have a new female prime minister. Uh, I mean, it's not so unusual. We've waited a long time for another female prime minister since uh, Margaret Thatcher. And around the world, increasingly, there are uh, women leading countries. I think what was flagged up as a little bit more unusual here um, is that at, uh, the, the, the two contenders to be leaders of the Conservative Party were both women. It wasn't a choice between a man and a woman, and that choice was very brief before Theresa May was made Prime Minister. The leader of the, the Green Party is a woman, Scottish Party, both Scottish parties, leader of the Welsh Party, and then a female challenger came along for the Socialist Labour Party. So it seemed to be, in our post post-Brexit era, all women. It's interesting, isn't yeah. it? So um, what is it about women that is, um, yeah, why all these women all, all at this time? What do you think is happening? I think it's a momentous time in history, Gina. 
<laughs> About time, yeah. We men have made a mess. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they've been saying in the press, actually. The men have made the mess and the women are here to clear it up. It's interesting, isn't it? So it, it, it was, there's no question, I think people can agree, that the vote to leave the European Union was unexpected. And I think the other issue that came up was that there was no plan. And all the men who were the, the leaders of that conversation, the leader of the country, the Prime Minister, he resigned on the morning. Suddenly we had this vacuum in power where all the men disappeared. And, uh, you know, there's a few newspaper editorials talking about women putting on their black trousers and their rubber gloves and coming in to clean up. So what is it that women are bringing to this situation? I think we, right now, women can either bring massive radical change or we can go back to let's just fix what we have to fix and get on with life. I think we're, we're at a T intersection, not a crossroads. And I think the important thing here is women need to look at a new vision, completely new vision. And I think Britain has been given a great reprieve in a way because you can carve a new niche because for the last 40 years, um, Britain has been part of, part of the EU. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like a marriage. And, you know, and suddenly it's like it's been rendered in two. And so we either forge a new direction or we have to say, let's fix the mess that men have created and keep going down the same route. And I don't think that's, that's a way to go for women right now. No. I think there was a touch of that in Iceland, and later on in the program we will be speaking to somebody about, you know, the crisis they had there and the women who stepped in. So this is, this is not the first time, then. This is, you know, this is interesting that uh, women are stepping in. And I can see that, uh, you know, in some of our editorials in the newspapers, it was talking about what a relief. It's interesting, isn't yeah. it? So what, yeah. are the, what, are, what are the qualities, do you think, that, um, that we need from... Um, Theresa May as the new Prime Minister in these times and other women who are hopefully following uh, in other countries and coming in to, um, you know, other, other positions of top of the country, as it were. I, I think the key word right now is radical leadership. Not new, not different. It has to be radical so that everybody, both both in Britain as well as in the world, would know we've entered a new era. Now, this is the second half of this decade. We're about to enter 2017. Sure, it's six months away, but it's, it's all preparation. And I think the, new de- the second half of this decade is all about massive radical change in both our economic system, our financial system, the way politics works. And I think women bring that difference, uh, bring that radicality, if you like, um, to the way we're thinking. Now, a really good point that you've made earlier on was Theresa May um, is here. Now, remember, she also um, didn't believe in the Brexit, but she's here standing up and saying, okay, I'm going to lead the way. And it, this is not about separation. To me, this is about collaboration. So Britain has to carve a new niche into the EU. Mm. It's about, okay, for the last 40 years, we've done this and mm, it, it hasn't quite worked perhaps, but let's find a new way to work with the EU because you just can't just dissolve a whole block. 
You, you just can't. It's interesting and you it's say that. It's going to have yeah. a global impact. It's not just going to be um, a simple case of a recession. It's going to be a depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've never experienced that before. Yeah, it's interesting the language about leaving. It's all about loss, isn't it? Exactly. And a divorce can be about loss, except if it's an amicable divorce and you move on to, <laughs> and to both of yeah. you to better things, then that's a happy situation. And uh, I, I kind of feel that because I know that you specialize in complexity, it's interesting that it was a yes-no question when quite clearly, it, you know, there were several questions they could have asked, you know, we could right. stay under what terms, what don't we like, but they didn't. And right. uh, it was a yes-no. And I think we've moved on in these times to asking better quality questions and different ones yes. because the world isn't black and white, is it? No, no. And it, this is a world of complexity. You know, this is a world of technology. This is a world of holistic thinking. So it's no longer hierarchical. I mean, to me, that is 200 years old now. We're moving to network thinking. We're moving towards a more collaborative thinking. So the whole idea that women bring that we men don't really have is a holistic view to things. Mm -hmm. We think sequentially. We think linearly. We think, you know, in a way, you know, um, after A, B follows and then C follows and D follows. Women don't think like that. And you can see that because the way they juggle so many different tasks in the household. Um, and they're forever thinking, well, you know, I cook and I clean and I work and I look after the kids and I do all these things, but men just go to work and come home. Yes. You know, it, well, it, Increasingly, it, it, we do have participation in the home, we have to say. <laughs> but even then, it's, it's, it's only participation. It's not, it's not what's called collaborative engagement. So um, uh, interesting about... Um, you know, you're talking about the thinking. I do remember, you know, Britain went to war in Iraq um, and uh, major discussions here in the UK, obviously voting on that. Claire Short, who was the minister in the cabinet for uh, overseas development, resigned because she said she could see there wasn't a plan. That was a frustration for her. And this is a frustration here in the Brexit situation, that there isn't a plan. So it's interesting what you're saying. There's a capability or capacity in women where if this happens, then that happens. Have you thought about that? Rather than, hey, let's just get, let's just leave Europe, which is what we were feeling we could hear. In fact, I just feel the whole episode is, <laughs> is a microcosm. Yes. <laughs> the worst of everything. Yes. yes. Plain for all to see in a very short yes. period of time. Like, whoa, that's not a good yeah. idea. So, Not yes, a good idea. Yeah, we need that. We need that new thinking. And, and um, do you think that Theresa is going to bring that in? Well, I, I hope she's one of those uh, great leaders who stepped into the breach, kind of thing. Yeah. To now, she can say, "Okay, what is a new way going forwards? What is a different vision for us to be uh, forging?" Uh, a new pathway, if you like, because Britain is not just any country, unfortunately, it leads the world. It is the financial centre. It is it is the place where we have um, politics and governance issues. I mean, that's where everything stems from. And I think in that way, Theresa is going to either take us down a path of radical leadership, new metrics, a brand new vision, and a completely different exposure to feminine thinking, mm-hmm. which we have not been exposed to. 
And I think, in a way, the only other person who can bring that, and it's a big question mark, is Hillary Clinton uh, in terms of global leadership. But right now, there is no other women on this planet sitting in powerful positions who can lead us in that direction. Interesting. Um, I think being supported in the cabinet by more than one or two women, I mean, a male prime minister with just two or three female ministers, I think in Sydney, in Australia, you've had a, a, a cabinet with just one woman. It's very difficult, isn't it, for a woman to bring her womanly, feminine, female, different thinking into a situation which is highly masculine, everybody, you know, they're all men, you know, you kind of end up consciously or unconsciously playing the same game. So, Teresa has brought quite a few women into the cabinet, I think, uh, and you can't just, well, um, Trudeau did it in Canada, 50-50, he made that happen, and that, you know, in the last year, that that is fantastic. So, she's got a a third of her cabinet that are women, and uh, obviously, some men had to access to make space for that. Do you think, what about Angela Merkel? Because she is uh, very well liked in Germany, seems doing a great job. Her reaction to Britain leaving the EU when the other male leaders in Europe was, well, you'll pay for it now, don't expect it to be nice. And her saying, well, let's be kind, let's keep our friendship. (laughs) Very conciliatory language rather than hurt language (laughs) that was being expressed by some of the other male leaders. So what do you think about Angela Merkel and what she has brought to female feminine leadership in these these times? Angela Merkel has brought a couple of qualities that kind of male leaders lack, and that is courage. Courage in the face of absolute chaos. A boldness of vision taking us into the future and a real decisiveness about humanity. To me, she embodies all those qualities that a a feminine leader brings to any situation, as opposed to the very rational, logical, autocratic, this is the way kind of approach that, say, a male leader would traditionally bring. The other side of the coin that I think we need to really acknowledge Angela Merkel for is the fact that she has paved the way for other countries as a result of her actions. In other words, other countries have also said, okay, we'll also show that we are we are human and we're humanitarian in our approaches. Now, I mean, all of these countries... Of, you were talking before, her use of compassion, being compassionate yeah, with, yeah. with the refugee and, situation. Yeah, and all of these countries that we're talking about have signed up to the UN Charter of Human Rights. Now, if you read that charter, one of the things of that charter is human compassion. Right. And and it's a great manifesto to read, but the whole idea that that one, it took one leader, and, and it was a feminine leader, who took us down this path, and I think we will revere her further down the track. At the moment, you know, she, she's been criticised heavily for what she's done for, for not thinking about the long term. I actually think that she will be a revered leader. Well, you know, uh, as with anybody, you like to dislike. Um, but generally, you know, when I was in Germany listening to people, she they think very highly of her. Um, right. And uh, certainly is a brave, courageous uh, role modelling to uh, say, 
bring the refugees in. I think Germany is a very large country. They're a country with a lower birth rate. They kind of need new population. That can't be the reason um, that she's brought them in. Maybe it's part of it. But um, there are a lot of people in Germany, yes, who, who fear. Not that they don't want the refugees. They fear of the impact. And there's a lot of work that has to be done to integrate. But a lot of German people go down to the stations and show their compassion with them, meet the refugees off the trains to show we are welcoming you. Um, and that's a great thing to see. So you're right, her action there of being bold and courageous and compassionate and saying we open our doors to um, people in need. I was reading an Oxfam report um, just recently about this concept of if I've got two pencils and you haven't got a pencil, and you see one of my pencils. And we have right. such inequality, don't we? We have this, this separate... This, Beautiful Western lifestyle, the majority of people and people without homes fleeing terrible conflict. How can we um, uh, keep them away? But you know that's a, that's a huge that's a huge conversation. So interestingly, um, I think that Theresa May, in her speech of, within hours of being Prime Minister, using the words of together and uh, inequality and chances for everyone, very different language I've seen. I mean. She has to deliver. You can't just say those things, the things that people want it to hear. Um, people felt very unheard in this country. And that was the, what the vote was about for many people, of not being listened to. And Theresa May, in the actions so far, has shown that she is listening. And that, that's a key thing, isn't it, in a, in, a, in a feminine style of leadership? Absolutely. And I think that's what makes um, feminine leaders so attractive, because not only do they listen but they're also able to articulate what the feelings are of the disenfranchised populace. Whereas um, from a male perspective, we, we do a snapshot survey, we do a poll because we, the numbers speak, so to speak. Um, and therefore we think, well, we've heard everybody. But when you read the mood, when you feel the energy, there is a different approach. And I think a good contrast of that is, is Nelson Mandela, for example, in South Africa, where he actually felt the, the actual feelings of the people at the time. And he's, you know, one in a million, so to speak. But I think um, uh, Theresa May is doing that. And, you know, language is so powerful that I think just one conversation at a time, one person talking to another person on the street, making that language stick is very, very critical going forward. Because it has to be a cultural shift, not just a, I hear what you're saying. I think we are, uh, there's a lot of talk here um, of um, progressive politics. And I mm -hmm. think we talked, you know, mentioned earlier about the yes, no, you know, the left, right, the red, blue. Society is very difficult to divide it in two, and it's not helpful when you have 49, 51% or 50, 50 people with two different camps. Um, and it's difficult to find an individual who can lead the whole country. So I do feel that we need to really look at the way politics is done here, because I don't personally identify with conservative politics, but I'm standing behind Theresa May because... Really, the one, she's got her hands on the tiller now, <laughs> and we need to be steered safely through. But I think we've got time to think ahead and think about new politics, and there are a lot of people having conversations about how other ways to represent people other than to have the hierarchy, you know, the parties that we have now. So, you know, let's see what happens there. 
The Women's Equality Party. Yeah, I was going to say the Women's Equality Party uh, is forming. And what I liked about the Women's Equality Party is the the founder founded a year ago, um, talking about how we want other parties to steal our policies. Mm, very nice. I like that. <laughs> because yes. they're you know they're thinking about issues that uh, are important for women. So don't forget the women while we yeah. you know while we're moving ahead and and, and fixing things. Yes. And let's not forget, it was the women who kept the country going during World War Two. It was the women who kept the factories and, and, you know, they held the fabric of society together. And if they weren't there, we would not have had a nation to come back to. Well, just before we close, I just want to ask you, from a, an Australian perspective, you had a female prime minister recently, her Julie Gillard. How was her premiership? How, how did she perform as a country leader? Um, there are two parts to that question, if I may. The first part is she was highly successful because she was the only prime minister who's passed, um, you know, a record number of, of legislative bills, if you like. Um, and no one else has done that. And this is with a very, um, you know, almost a hung parliament, but she still worked with both sides and she got um, a record number passed. The actual politics itself, and this is where is really the sad part, and that is she did not quite know how to handle the media or shape the media. She trusted them because she thought that they would report her as a true leader but they reported her as a woman. They reported her as a um, kind of a scapegoat, if you like, for every problem. Because we have a woman, that's the reason why it's failed. So in other words, she didn't quite um, know how to mold the media the way she should have. Um, that, that, that's number two. But the third point is she was one of the most successful prime ministers only because she looked at the whole picture. But I think the knives were out because we didn't want a woman um, in the end. We weren't ready for that. It was too radical. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to the Rise of the Feminine. If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. 
Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. In my next interview, I'm going to be speaking with Runa Magnus Dottir in Iceland. As I said, she is a branding specialist, author, and a founder of a global women's organization. She's also a founder member of the Association of Transformational Leaders, so really perfect to give us insights on leadership and Iceland. Well, uh, I'm speaking to Runa Magnus Dottir in Iceland. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine, Runa. Thank you. We are speaking um, today about the role that Iceland has played in feminine political leaders or female political leaders because I have always looked at Iceland as really being very much ahead of the curve. And I know that in the past you have um, done a lot of work with women, you've been invited onto many platforms around the world speaking about women, I know you're branding specialists now, but you really do know what has been happening with women. And I feel that, um, you know, we can have a quick look at that and see whether there are any lessons that we could learn here, particularly in the, in, in the UK, but I think for other countries around the world. And, um, you know, firstly, Runa, why is it that you've got such fantastic, strong women in Iceland? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so honoured that you think that we are strong. Um, the, I think that it has a lot to do with decades of experience. It's basically embedded into our DNA. Um, and we're a little country in the North Atlantic Ocean. We were isolated for centuries. And families had to rely on either being a farmer or they were fishermen and then the wives were the fishermen. They were basically running their homes when the fishermen were out on the sea yeah. trying to get uh, some food for the, for the family. So I think it, it's kind of like it, it, it has that this one thing. So role models throughout the centuries has been big for us. Mm-hmm. But we also have, we have history uh, that takes us a little bit closer in time um, that I mean, it has had a huge impact on my upbringing, Uh, being 13 years old when women took a strike for a whole day in 75. Now everyone knows how old I am. And then having a special political party was just women. We had the first Icelandic uh, or the first female democratically elected as a president in the country, Vigtis Fimbrodóttir. Huge thing. So these role models in front of us has really had an impact on us, and I think um, I think that that's a, a huge thing that just unconsciously we are not aware of, but this is what we look at, and that's what we think is a norm. Mm-hmm. Look, reflecting on that now. Now, when we had the um, global financial crisis in two thousand and eight. Um, which really started in Iceland and, you know, was such an interconnected world that it, it, it was happening everywhere. But um, there weren't women at the helm there, and um, but there were women involved. But something had happened, hadn't it? There'd been a gap. I think some, maybe we'd moved into hypermasculine, but something had happened, hadn't it, that, called, that didn't... The presence of women had not stopped this, had it? Um, oh, it's difficult to say if it had stopped or not, but definitely we, what we were lacking was balance. We were lacking, well, well, yeah, we were lacking balance because we had too much of one thing. Yes. We had too much of, uh, I often see this as we just, we're living in a black and white world, meaning our world was just male, white male in suit from the age of 35 to 45. Yes, very narrow. Very narrow. One type of thought. 
when our world, if we see it in full colors, yeah. we begin to see how much is lacking. So this was what we were all hanging on. We were all kind of like hanging on, they, oh, they, are, they, they know how to do things, and everyone were hanging on that, which is a lot of responsibility put on them as well, but yeah. it definitely did not work. Yeah. And I, I, that's one of the things that we saw, that um, uh, diversity in, in the big meaning of the word was not that. Diverse thinking. So what happened was people, you know, wanted change, didn't they? They were disappointed in their leaders. And you installed a female prime minister, somebody who'd been around as a minister for a long time. And she came in as a new prime minister. And she was there quite a while, wasn't she? Well, she, she and her cabinet and, and uh, basically the, the whole, whole country had to change its, yeah. its course. Yeah. And, uh, Big clean-up campaign. It was Brushes, a rubber gloves. Oh, yeah, it was. It was a lot. And I think um, thinking back and joining the dots, you know, now everything has happened and you can, you can be really wise afterwards. I think that it, why we managed and how we managed to get up again and, and from the crash and being doing so well as we are doing today there are a lot of factors there, and yes, this is one of them that women did come in into the higher positions in both politically as well as in the business world, and uh, they they uh, it was like all of a sudden we, yeah, yeah let's listen to them. Right. right. They were all there, always okay. before banging on the door, saying, okay. "Hey, listen, we we are here, and we want to see this differently." But they weren't listened to. Okay. So uh, I think that was sort of the whole thing was... Um, Everybody uh, shifted around and saying, okay, let's have some women in, let's... Yeah. And uh, the banking sector, you had uh, some of your major banks crash and you had uh, women take over the, the banks. I think uh, one is still there. And a new, um, I was reading about a new fund that was created by two women who wanted to bring financial uh, values into the finance sector. With that, that's, uh, that's very forward thinking, isn't it? Yeah, they put, uh, there were two of them, Hadla Thomas of there and Christine Pietus of there, who put together, actually they put it together before the crash, uh, shortly before the crash. And, uh, it they was, saw the signs. Called <laughs> <laughs> Oeder Capital, it has now emerged into another, into another branch, but at the time, yeah, that was the whole intention was to bring more feminine value uh, into the financial sector. Mm-hmm. Um, which was so needed, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, and for many people, many people simply didn't understand what did that mean. When we're used to having things this done this way, it takes time to move it into another way, yes. or to show that it has a benefit to move it into another way. Because we're yes. always going to have skepticals on the way. Yeah, and you've been creating a new constitution there as well, which I was reading long at the time. You know, it was anticipated it would take a couple of years, but you're still working at it. This, I think this is one of the key things. You need patience when you're developing something new, birthing something into yeah. being. Um, and and uh, it seems to be also a great exercise in a lot of people having uh, an input and people being listened to, which we've just had in the UK, this big issue of, you know, you're not listening to us. So it seems to be a very interesting thing that's been set, being set up in Iceland. The, 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 I think I can, yeah, I agree with you on that end. And I think that... Um, with bringing in more women and bringing in more diversity into the discussions mm-hmm. and creating a dialogue mm-hmm. uh, that means that you are 
building upon the discussion. It's not just I am right and you are wrong, and I'm just going to debate on that, which is what we are so used to. But we had to. We were forced to to start to talk yeah. and start to face the things that we, I mean, face the thing that we had put under the rug. We had to do it. And I think it's, it's the same thing that happens to us individually when we have to face the things that are not working for us. That's when shifts happen. Yeah. But shift, uh, transition time <laughs> isn't the easy time, yeah. but it definitely when you, when you collectively, what, and that's what happened, we collectively moved away from what we had to what we wanted to have. Mm-hmm. And we still are. It's, yeah. it's not like it just happens like this and then no. everything is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that, and, and the uh, the value of patience is a very feminine thing, is to be patient, to stay at it, and as I say, very impressive, you built up these listening structures. I think that's a great place to end. It's really interesting to see. I think there's a lot of lessons for other countries, and particularly the UK, to learn as we go through our major transitions. Right after the next commercial break, we'll be going to my final interview, and that will be in Yorkshire in England. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Rise of the Feminine. If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. My last interview is our focus on one woman. I was very impressed with Vivian Morris's energy when I first met her at a gathering for the Women's Equality Party in the Yorkshire and Harrogate area and that was in her her own home and that was to plan a big event in the north of England to be attended by the national leader of the Women's Equality Party so I visited her home again for another meeting to talk to her. I'm in the home of Vivian Morris in a lovely little house in Harrogate in North Yorkshire and I've come to Vivian's home because Vivian is the organiser or the local chapter organiser of the Women's Equality Party and I've been to a meeting here before and I was really impressed with Vivian's journey or her, her, her birthing as a political activist <laughs> and like me she'd not been actively engaged in politics right. before so Vivian tell me about what got you started from being somebody involved in business who's now not full-time but taking on 
being active in the Women's Equality Party, what did you see that you that inspired you? Well, um, I read information about the Women's Equality Party, the fact that it was starting, that some women had just got together and thought that they could do things differently. And I thought that was quite inspirational. So um, it was nice to think of a party that would represent women because typically um, the majority do seem to favour men and be run by men. Mm. And uh, I just saw it as something that I wanted to be involved in. Uh, from the beginning, really. But you'd never been... Had you ever been involved in a political no. party? You never joined a party no, before? never. No. And you were explaining that uh, your work life was kind of opening up, so it gave mm. you some time to do this. You, and you, yes. How old are you? Are you... Um, I'm nearly 60. Right. Um, so I'm 60 in about two and a half weeks' time. Yay! And, uh, <laughs> yep. And I will... Um, uh, you know, when I got involved in this, I was uh, working full-time, and uh, it's only now that my life has changed a little and I've got the opportunity to spend some time and this does take a little bit of time to organise so now now's the time and I hear that you're organising quite a large event and you've actually got the yeah. uh, the national the leader of the party yes. coming up that must be yeah, it's very exciting yeah. yes so we've uh, we've got an event happening here in September it's the first event for our branch and we have Sophie Walker who is the leader of the Women's Quality Party and we've got Jane Senior who was quotes the whistleblower um, in the Rotherham child sex scandal um, she's just received the MBE um, in the Queen's Honours list. And we've also got um, Julia Mulligan, who is the um, Police Crime Commissioner for North Yorkshire. So we have three very influential and very different ladies, mm -hmm. um, all focused on safety for women and girls in Yorkshire. Mm. So in the manifesto of the Women's Equality Party, was there something in particular that uh, inspired, you know, that's encouraged you or that you've seen that you want to get behind? Well, I'm quite interested in starting um, with young children and getting them to understand that boys and girls are equal. Um, that is one of the kind of missions of the Women's Equality Party and it's something that I feel quite passionate about. I don't think it's really possible to change the ideas of a 60-year-old man very easily. Not so um, easy, but not impossible. But yeah, not impossible, you, but <laughs> it's not easy. Um, whereas if we can start to encourage the young children and to understand that girls and boys can do the same things, be the same things, have the same things, then I think that we will, will be setting ourselves up for the right kind of environment going forward and whilst it might be a little bit too late for some it's never too late for them and I think that's really important. That's wonderful. So um, how have you managed to do this from a kind of a standing start? What's it taken? I mean if somebody you know listening to listening to this thinking I'd like to do something I'd like to mm -hmm. join a political organization and organize something what do, what did you do what you know how did you get started with it? Well, to be honest, it's not a huge amount of work. Um, you have to decide that you're going to do it. Once you've made the decision to do it, then obviously you've got to put that into action. Um, execution is always the hard part. I simply contacted the Women's Equality Party. Uh, we were actually the last branch to be formed. Um, I'm not quite sure when there'll be the ability to have new branches. Um, but you know, it was just setting some dates and then letting people know, 
people people have registered their interest in the party so it's contacting them and just getting together like we're doing tonight and i have to say vivian you're doing what you know women the world over do you, you've got you opened up your home mm-hmm. to a conversation among a group of women and we've got cake i can smell something lovely <laughs> in the kitchen homemade cake i can smell something lovely in the kitchen yeah. and and that's what it's all about isn't it opening your home providing that hospitality saying let's have a conversation and you're just uh linking that to yes. creating an event and uh, in the great uh, opportunity of having the national leader come as well i think that's true but i think it's also important to say that the last three uh meetings that we had were hosted by one of our male members um, and he and his wife who um, joined more reluctantly than he um, actually hosted three of our meetings so um, it's not just me uh, it's the involvement of everybody and importantly we do have men who are part of our branch and part of the women's quality party um, it's not an exclusively woman domain and it's certainly not an anti-man domain Uh, and I think that's really important and I'm very proud that we have a man who really is prepared to open his home as well it's not just a woman's thing and that's brilliant. Vivian well done that is brilliant I hope that inspires others to just open their doors and as you say men and women together having conversations about change at whatever level and uh, well done for doing that in Harrogate good luck for your event. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our first show on the Rise of the Feminine, I invite you to go to the Facebook page, and that's Rise of the Feminine Radio. Share your thoughts, insights. Please do give me feedback. And I'd really love to hear how feminine leadership is showing up in your life. So until next time, thank you so much for joining me on the Rise of the Feminine. We hope that you've enjoyed the program this week. Be sure to tune in to The Rise of the Feminine with Gina Lazenby every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.